thinking of starting a podcast? Well, try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac, and joining me today is none other than Chris Manning of Locked on Cavs. Now, we had Evan Damerel on for the last episode, so it's only right that we have Chris on for today's. How you doing, Chris? I'm good. You got an improvement, honestly. Um, me, over, <laughs> me, me, Evan, like, you know, being my opener, it feels right to me. So it, it's fun to be, no, all seriousness, it's good to be here. And if I can trash Evan on the way in, it's cool with me. Oh man, you know, I, I'm going to plead the fifth. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> now, Evan, Evan, Evan can take it. He can take it. He's a, he's a grown man, but yeah, I love Evan. I just like, I just like messing with him and seeing if he, if, and when he listens and he hears that I threw shade at him, I, I hope he, he gets ornery because I, oh, I'll make, wait for a response. <laughs> it, it will make up for all the times that he has put me in Joker makeup on, on Twitter.com. So, Oh Lord. <laughs> yeah. I'll wait for his response on this. Uh, yeah. It really is good to have you on, man. Yeah. It's always great to talk basketball with somebody other than, myself because you know how man you know how this dude dude yeah man the talk like the amount of it's it's especially for a, a cat like at least maybe not this year because the Cavs are now fun but like in previous years where you spend a lot of time thinking about a very silly bad basketball team and organization sometimes and then you it's fun to actually like have a little juice to kind of tell what we're talking about here Indeed. And so that's a great segue into uh, to kick things off. So, you know, we know the Cavs are on this four game win streak. And I believe it's the the first time since I want to say February 23rd to March 1st of the 2020-21 NBA season. That's a man. I know the season just started, but it feels like it's been forever since a feat like this has occurred. You know, they they kick things off with kind of shutting down Miles Bridges against the Hornets, schooling him off a bit. Uh, then they went on to hold Dame and CJ to 17 of 46 from the field and seven to 21 from three. And so while their stat line suggested they had a big game, the Cavs were able to hold them in check relatively, you know, mm-hmm. and then, then there was a nail biter versus the Raptors when Darius Garland got fouled at the end of the game, a little bit controversial, but I'll take that win. <laughs> and then last night, man, which will, in my opinion, henceforth be known as the Ricky Rubio career night, just because, mm-hmm. I don't think I've quite seen anything like what the Cavs were able to do last night. I mean, Rubio with the, what was it 37 off the bench? Yeah. Uh, 37 and 31 minutes, uh, eight threes. And then um, uh, a very good Wolves Twitter follow. If anyone is injured, Kitty Davidson pointed out that I think it took 20 something games. I don't have the tweet in front of me, but she pointed out on Twitter uh, that it was like 20 something games last year, like maybe 25 games for Rubio to even hit 25, eight threes in total. And he hit eight threes last night. So like, just like a very absurd Ricky Rubio game. You know what I mean? Like one of those yeah. games you're just like, I, I don't know how this happened, but like, 
it's like good that they won the game where Ricky Rubio was was having an out of body experience. You know, like it's it'd be like honestly, like if I if you like some if they somehow like lost the game and it did get like dicey, like can you imagine just like having oh man, um, it Cavs being dicey. Like, I I mean, but even just like if you're like the Cavs, you, like and you lose that game, like you have to be pissed because. Like you played, you got an out of body experience for Ricky Rubio and that where Colin Sexton had to leave due to an injury. So it's just like, if you somehow lose that game, it's just like, you got to just throw your hands up and like give the Knicks credit at a certain point too. But it's, I'd be like apoplectic if I was GB Vickers staff in that moment. It, it would not have sat well with anybody had the Cavs kind of thrown that effort away. Cause Rubio, man, he's been really astounding to start the season. We, we know the talent for him has always been there. Um, I don't know. Maybe something has clicked. Maybe mentally he's just like, you know, nobody was really expecting too much out of the Cavs to begin the season. And so I am just I'm very, very perplexed at the Rubio that we've seen thus far. Um, He just he looks fully unleashed (laughs) and uh, time will tell if, you know, it's sustainable. We all we we know that the three point shot is going to come and go. And last night it obviously was going all everything was 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 a. going through the net, but it was just insane to see him play with that level of, you know, he looked like Steph Curry out there. It it was insane. And then, you know, you talk about a guy like Evan Mobley, who, man, that, that, do you think that was his best game so far? Ooh, yeah. I I mean, I think so. I think the the three points shooting in that game, like maybe tilts it to that because Mobley hitting threes and, looking comfortable taking him and kind of in rhythm and, and on the catch mm-hmm. like he did was just like the thing that if you want to uncork his potential fully like that's the thing but it's just crazy that like I feel like you could pick a couple different games for Mobley like I think you go back to like what the Clipper game um yeah. you could go back to even earlier than that like I, I think there's like a lot of options you could pick but last night was one of those games where it's like he's doing a little bit of everything he's doing some i thought last night was maybe the best game um tell me if you think i'm wrong but i thought his it was the best passing game we've seen from him out of the short roll like he was very comfortable like getting the ball on the roll and then feeding to the corner um and like defensively it's just like he was owning the middle of the floor on a night where like they kind of needed him to i mean that was not i mean that was not like a good like that that might have been like the worst like darius garland defensive game i think we've we've seen this year and um the defense got a little chaotic late and mobley was kind of like mobley and jared allen too but i think even more so mobley the guy kind of settling things and kind of controlling the middle of the floor so yeah i i think mobley i i think that probably is mobley's best game um just and again the three point stuff in itself is just like one of those things where it's like, if that is a sign of maybe he's not going to take four game and he's certainly, you know, maybe not going to make two a game every night, the rest of the year. But like, if that's an indication that he's getting comfortable and, and whatnot, like, I, I think that's a good thing. I think that's indicative of a lot of things. And again, like um, I bet you that, you know, if you got them like kind of to be a little more honest and not give the cliche answers <laughs> and you say, Hey, like you just want a game against a good Knicks team in MSG. Like, I bet you that felt cool too, you know? Like, I, I'm sure the game winning yeah. in Toronto felt cool because, like, the first time they ca- it's the first time they'd played there since um, before the pandemic. And then yeah. they go to MSG where they played last year, but, you know, there's no fans last year because of COVID. And then this year there's fans back. The Knicks are good. And th- this is Mobley's for MSG debut. So it was, I honestly, that will go down. I think if we get to the end of the year and we like rank, Cavs games that were fun mm-hmm. that that's got to be up there to me I, I think that's got to like it's number one right now I think in terms of like the fun factor at the very least yeah I mean it absolutely has to be in my opinion and it, the, the the lone blemish on it obviously was Colin going down 
Uh, but they were able to rebound from that. And, you know, Mobley, he looks poised. I mean, the, the dude looks wise beyond his years. Defensively, he's brought it just about every game out. He's helped clean up for a lot of the mistakes out of the backcourt uh, early on and whatnot. But just like you said, man, if he's able to add that uh, spacing component to his game, and I'd be cool with him taking three to four attempts uh, a game, even if he's only if he's only converting him at like a 33 or 34% rate, I'd be okay with that thus far because that, mm-hmm. that'd be solid improving it even upon his lone year at uh, USC. Mm-hmm. But man, just let's dig a little bit deeper into this. What has been your impression of him to begin the season? If you had to give uh, one comp, what would it be? Oh, I don't do comps. I hate comps. Um, <laughs> I have like a, I have like a thing about this that I've had for a long time where I hate comps because I think like, I think they get, I think like, I think I understand why people do them. Mm-hmm. And like, I understand when like JB was like, he's the KG in Flip Saunders's defense, like in our defense. And I, I yeah. understand why you say some of that stuff because you're trying to evoke something very specific and like the words have power. Mm-hmm. I just personally like my brain, my brain, they don't compete with my brain because like everything is like, so every player and like every thing they're doing can be similar, but they're also just like very different. different. Um, like Mobley's like, I think the thing that's impressing most about Mobley is just like how acclimated he looks from day one, because I, I summer league obviously is weird. And like, there's some, the yeah. caps had no guards on that team. And like, it, it's a guard, it's, it's a, it's a environment that Suit is built for guards. For, it's suited for guards and it's suited for guys who just like want to get their own shots up. And like, that was not, that's not what Mobley does. Um, I looked at like, he's just looked like a guy who's already like acclimated to the league. And like, even though there's like times you can tell he's like, you know, figuring stuff out or like kind of, um, you know, I, I think he's playing too many minutes. Like I, I know some people would like just suck it up and play minutes, but like, I think he's probably like playing <laughs> too many minutes. Night. Dude, it's it like you gotta like it, it's a it's a marathon. Like you gotta like ease back, especially when they're healthy. Like I don't think there's a reason to need him to play like that many minutes every night just for the sake of like maintaining him as he kind of gets used to this to the schedule. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think he's just been poised. Like I think he's been under control. I think he's been like there's times where like you can just see that he's a freak physically because like, like there's just times where like, he's, he's so nimble on his feet and his legs are so long that he just kind of like can drive and like figure stuff out because of these, the kind of physical advantages he has. And like, it's not even like a technical, like feel for it yet. And he's not strong enough yet. Like there's stuff he's doing that he's clearly just doing because he has a really good feel for the game. He's decisive, um, which might be my favorite thing about Mobley. He's just like a very decisive player on both ends yes. of the floor. And he's just like acclimated, right? Like this is a guy that has come in and been like, like I, I think if like the betting markets had like Cade and Jalen as like the favorite rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. I know, I know Cade just got back and he's struggling and, you know, Scotty Barnes is having a really good start and, and green is scoring. I think it's, I think Mobley right now has been the best rookie in the league. And it's like, he's, that was going to be my it's next not, question. It's, for it's you. not close. It's not close. It's to me, at least it's not close. Yeah. I mean, over the years, traditionally, this has been an award that goes to the best score. I mean, let's just call it. It's just the guy who can score the most points generally wins that award. And I think what Mobley's been able to do on both ends of the court has, you know, will eventually earn him some recognition that he's not getting right now in that regard. I think he should definitely be number one, just based upon the, the immense impact that he's had on the game. I mean, to be his age and to impact the game in a variety of ways that he has, is just, and to, to help get the Cavs to a seven and four record. I mean, that's just crazy to me. I mean, I got to ask your, 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 uh, 
your personal thoughts on this and feel free to decline to answer, but <laughs> I got to hit you up with this question, man. Yeah. So what was your initial expectation for this team heading in? Oh, um, no, I, I will never, dec- there's, there's certain things I will. Yeah. Uh, I thought they might be like a good underbed, honestly, at 26 mm-hmm. and a half, because it's, it's such a weird roster, right? Like um, there's even stuff that has worked that I'm like skeptical of. Like, I mean, I was just talking about this with Evan on the last episode and it's like, you know, the, your mind, when you're watching this, especially with the, the, the big lineups that they have started the season out with, with Lori and, you know, playing Kevin at certain points, but it just does not look like it should work. And it has thus far for the most part. And even, even with the injuries and health protocols, you know, being what they are right now, it Mm -hmm. just, some of the lineups that they rolled out there just don't really seem like they should work, but they are. So I don't know. It. Yeah. Like I'm not a believer in the market as the starting three, like as a thing, I just don't, I think it's like, I, I, JB has said like, and some of this, I think is like, he's just trying to like be, um, what's the word kind of defensive of his guys to some degree. Like I understand why he would do that publicly, but like, I don't think the, I think the reason that they're able to play three bigs is not because of like Lowry marketing, like getting better in defense, although he's been like competing. I think it's because they have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. And those two guys are like absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Like you can tell by the fact that like anytime that those guys get put into an action with a screen, they are switching. It is not oh, yeah. like, It is not like, hey, Lowry or Dean Wade right now, like you're going to go through a screen and like we're going to commit to you as like a wing. We're just going to switch it with with these two really nimble bigs we have. And we're going to put Mobley in the middle of a defense and he's going to cover up mistakes and Allen's going to protect the back line. Like that is the formula here. Um, I thought this team like probably would have been not nearly this good to start. I don't think they would have been necessarily, um, you know, good overall i still i i think there's going to be like just some kind of bumps at some point because like they're still a really young team and all this stuff but like they're way better than i think i expected them to be and that's because mobley's hit the ground running i think um rubio's obviously been impactful i think you know when he's before he went into protocols i, I loves giving you i think at least decent minutes like jetty osmond's had a had like a resurrection year where he's no longer like i'm awful. telling everybody about it man he so, like yeah it i mean like i understand how like Let's just let's 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 do let's do a segue on Jetty, which I just can't believe I'm suggesting doing. Um, <laughs> Jetty Osmond last year, like worst player in the Caps, got benched, like was was awful, right? That's an understatement, yeah. Right, like he was really bad, but like his numbers were such a drop from, um, the year before that, like mm-hmm. it almost didn't make sense to me that like he just fell off a cliff that bad and was just like that bad now, right? I think what you see in like with him is sort of illustri- illustrative of like what the rest of the team has been because you're seeing a guy who I think is playing harder. Mm-hmm. Like he's still not like a good defender, but there's times where like he's actually closing out properly. Like he's fighting through screens and stuff. Like you're seeing a guy who's playing with a little more confidence. Very um, much who, so. Yeah. Who I think is getting, who's benefiting from the ball moving a little bit more and, and things just not being so sticky and, and and kind of slow. Like I still think the Cavs like need some more like off ball action and stuff, but yeah. like he's coming off of screens. And last year he might've just been like standing on the side, waiting for the ball to swing his way. And then like throwing up crazy shots. Like I think he's a guy that has like benefited from the Cavs being just a little more competent. Um, he just looks like a refreshed guy. And like, I think, you know, 
pretty much everyone has looked refreshed in some ways, right? Like, I, and I think JB's you know hit a lot of the right buttons. I think, I think they're clearly better than we might have thought. Um, but I, I, I want to see how like, and, and to the credit, they've navigated like a brutal start to the year. Like they've played four games at home yeah. out of out of just like what eleven games so far. Like they've played some really good teams already. They've beaten some good teams already. I, I want to see where we get in like a month before I'm like very like like sure this is real because I'm just still just a little like <laughs> I want to see what this looks like when this like normal like kind of averages out and we see like marketing and lover back and stuff and I want to yeah. see what tweaks JB makes and I want to see what tweaks teams make to the Cavs to kind of combat Mobley to combat um, you know the the playing them playing three bigs and stuff but I kind of just I think they're clearly better than we thought and like that is definitely a team that like you should feel has a better chance at the playing tournament. At the, I think the playing tournament more so than the playoffs outright. Obviously, I don't think they're going to get to like six in the East, but this is like a team that I think has a better shot at the play. And then I think I gave them credit for coming into the year. Like this team looks good. And it's to me, it's because like, it starts with Mobley and it kind of trickles down from there. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I'm, I tend to run a little bit high on the Cavs. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen anything that I've tweeted out there, but i uh, I guess I could be on the complete opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to, you know, predictions in that regard. But looking at it from a realistic standpoint, um, I think that uh, play in or, you know, at least a low seed in the playoffs for me would probably be the the point that I would peg them at right now. But we are only, what, 11 games into the season for them. So we'll have to see if they can continue to, you know, play with confidence and poise. And we'll see if guys like Jetty just continue their stellar runs. I mean, as you alluded to, a lot of these guys look refreshed. I mean, I think the, mm-hmm. the biggest two would be Jetty and Love. I mean, Kevin, I mean, at certain points last season, you just did not, you know, when he was on the court, you just did not know what you were going to get from him. Now it looks like they've effectively kind of streamlined what they want him to do. They're playing him, in my opinion, the correct amount of minutes uh, when he has been on the court. And they're not asking him to be, you know, the primary focus anymore, and which he obviously shouldn't be at uh, this age and with his play style. And conversely, with Jetty, I mean, the same thing applies. I think if you keep his minutes down, if you can help it, um, you know, obviously they've been able to get by, you know, playing him as a, uh, a guy off the bench any, anywhere between 17 to, you know, I would say 26 minutes mm-hmm. would be fine for me. And if you're not asking him to be a primary ball handler, if you're not expecting the most out of him defensively, um, although he has had two very nice blocks mm-hmm. <laughs> for the past two games, some yeah. highlight real worthy blocks, uh, might I say, but nobody's ever going to confuse him for an, uh, an all defensive caliber player. I just think, if you, for these guys, um, if you give them clear and defined roles, they'll continue to look that way. Um, and I think Mobley does kind of anchor that, but I guess that would, uh, that would kind of lead me to my next question. Mm-hmm. Who has been more at, at this point right now, who is more vital to the Cavs success currently? Would that be Mobley or Rubio? Oh, Mobley. It's not close. It's not close to me. Evan Mobley is setting the tone defensively, and this is a defense first team. He is absolutely like destroying people on that end of the floor. He is the reason that they're playing the system they can. Mm-hmm. Offensively, like they're, he's, you know, I, he's not a good actual physical screener yet, but like he slip screens that is good. <laughs> um, 
do just like go to Ohio State for a summer and get huge. That's like my take. Just Evan Mobley, yeah. go like do go do like college football lifting for a summer and like get absolutely ripped. Like, what was the report? He put on what ten to fifteen pounds in between the drafting and uh, he looks like bigger and like more physically sound to me than he did it like at summer league when I saw him there. So uh, I don't know, and like I don't think they're ever going to say, but I think he said immediately like ten to fifteen pounds, something like that. Um, and I mean, we're going to get to a point with him before, if that continues, like, you know, like those before and after like Giannis photos where like, yeah. he's just huge. And I don't know if he's going to get like that big, um, but like he's going to get bigger and stronger and more physical. Um, I'll be curious to see if he ends up more of like an Allen, like we're still kind of lean, but, but is stronger. Yeah. Cause like Allen added weight too, but like, I don't think he looks different or if he just get, if he just gets like huge and like gets like the pump kind of, kind of thing going. Um, I think it's mobile clearly though. I think he's just been, I think you could argue he's like maybe been the best calf so far in a lot of ways. Like, I think he's been awesome. Um, it's not I crazy think it, to say at his age. Yeah. He, but he, but he's, he's probably, he is at the very, very least the best prospect they've drafted since Kyrie Irving. And I think there's a really good case. He's the best prospect they've drafted since LeBron James. Like he's that good. And he's definitely a better two-way prospect than, than Kyrie ever was. So like that, that's just where we're at. That's the kind of caliber of player you have here um you know like that's just what it is and i i even think if if i'm gonna say like the most important calves i would go so far it would be mobley i think i would go allen because they've just been the duo that has driven a lot and i think mm-hmm. garland's three and then rubio's four uh okay so uh <laughs> i don't that, know that 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 might be like I just think like the Rubio thing is clearly helpful and he juices things. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I th- and I think last night obviously like, he was um, like the along with Moby the reason they won. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Darius is still just like I, I think if you're looking at, like the big picture with this team and I'm I don't I sort of think more macro than than not so with them. I think this is still like a data collection year, not like a all chips all chips in kind of year, you know. But I, I, I think I think. Like Darius has shot making ability this team really mm-hmm. needs, and Rubio just doesn't have that in his back. Like last night was an anomaly. Darius might have like real off the dribble in isolation shot make off the off a off, you know, as a, a pull-up three-point guy that Rubio just doesn't have as like a real thing. So oh yeah, I, I mean I completely agree with that. I think what you've seen from Rubio thus far, uh, a lot of these games could be considered anomalies from his career, you know, and then when you're putting his entire career arc. Uh, I'm going to look this up. What do you think he's shooting from three right now? Because I don't know. And I bet you it's like kind of stupid. I would say like 47%. I know he's had a couple of off games. Uh, he started the year out pretty hot, but I'm, I'm going to go just to let's go upper 40s. So I'll All say 47. Right. All right. I'm As you talk, I'm going to go to his basketball reference page and I, I will give, I will come back. I will report back. Okay. All right. I can't wait to hear the answer on that. Oh, now, it's only, uh, it's pretty weight. His projection was 31%. He is at. 42.9%, which okay. is that's uh, way above on, his. Uh, well, and and here's the thing on 5.1 attempts per game, which is the most he was taking, would be a career high by like a pretty wide margin. That's some good volume, too. Uh, that's like him. wild for for what that's like very wild volume for Ricky Rubio. The best he's ever shot previously was 2019 20 in Phoenix, uh, 36.1% at 3.3 attempts per game. He's never taken more than 3.5, 3.73s per game, and that was in 2018-19 with the Jazz. So this is like a wild bump from Rubio as far as like his three-point volume goes. Yeah, I think he's right in line with uh, with Jetty in regards to his volume this season to begin the year. 
which is crazy to me. I mean, if it's if it's working though, I mean, if if he continues to be streaky like this, like he has been, I have no problem with it, especially for a team that finished what dead last <laughs> just a season ago, mm-hmm. um, with some caveats included in that. Um, but I want to switch gears here for a moment. I just want to ask. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on Colin Sexton start to the season because his stat line will suggest that he is having by far the worst year of his career. I don't see it that way though. I mean, you have your people out there, you know, your, your, your calves, you know, conspiracy theorists, you think that they're trying to kind of phase him out. And, you know, I, I also don't see it that way. I just think that they're, they're evolving. And I think Colin has adjusted or is continuing to adjust the way that his play style has been. Um, give me your thoughts on Sexton's start to the season. I think it, it, Sexton is one of those things where it's like, if you believe that he is like the, uh, like a star, the Cavs are like, not like, is embracing. he the guy? Is he the guy? No, I don't think so. But I don't think I ever thought that. I think some people did. And I think some people like still do and get mad at you on Twitter when you suggest that he doesn't or he isn't. But like, I, I think he's like sussing on a new role. And I think like, you're seeing a guy who has to add a little more pass in his game, who has to have better def- like, like the against Toronto, um, he got skinny on a screen and dodged a screen, and it was like one of the first times I feel like I've ever seen him do that in that way. Like it was just actual growth from him in that end. I think he's like clearly getting put into a role that is kind of more of what he probably really actually is in the league, and it's sort of you got to pick your spots a little bit. You're gonna have games where you get really hot and you go on a, on a run and you and you create chaos and all this stuff. There's also just nights where like he is going to, you know, have to like make off ball threes and do some cutting and play really good defense. Like that is really what his role I think kind of ends up being. Um, Like, I think he's been fine. I think he just seems like a guy figuring out a new role because I think like clearly like Darius is taking a lot more of the actual bringing up the ball and, what not responsibilities Darius is also adding some shot making that is going to, mm-hmm. you know, like that, the, the three that he hit against Toronto, on Sunday in the fourth quarter where uh, he, you know, OG over overcommitted, missed, missed the steal opportunity. Darius pulled up. I think a year ago, Darius might've passed that ball to Colin, even though like Fred Van Vliet was Absolutely. there and helped and would have closed out on Colin pretty tightly. I think he might've made that pass. Darius instead took that shot. That is going to take away something from Colin. And it's about finding how to get him successful. I, I think that he's a guy. And I think Isaac Coro is the other one that if the Cavs can get a little more creative with off ball action, with, with back cuts, with, with more screening off the ball, instead of just having their wings stand there. I think those are two guys that would really benefit from that. And like, you could see Colin having a game where like he cuts and he catches the ball and he just yams on someone because he's actually, I think he's like a very underrated cutter. I think it's, Maybe the highlight of his career is that dunk he had on Wendell Carter Jr. when Wendell was with the Bulls. That was a back cut. He just slipped past a, a sleeping Zach Levine and then and dunked and won the Cavs the game and iced that game. So I, I think that is something you could see. But I think he's clearly just a guy figuring out what his role is. And it's obviously complicated by the fact that his, you know, his contract uh, is up after the year and he's, he's going to head to restrictive for agency. And that's that's just a tricky spot to be in for a guy going into their second contract. That is exactly the question that I was going to bring up next. How much of this in regards to his, you know, his production that looks to have decreased, how much is that going to play a factor into determining his value? I mean, I think, I think some, but I think the Cavs are sort of doing this like, cause I think it'll make it more effective. I think people Mm -hmm. that are like, you know, want Colin to like be the lead guy. And so I think this is like the reality of what the Cavs kind of think of what he is. And that's, it's frankly the most like ultimately like the, the end game here for, the Cavs is that Evan Mobley is the hub of everything and everyone has to, is going to end up like 
existing in in Mobley's orbit to some degree. And it's like if it's more of like the the Bucks model where like where Middleton and Drew are sort of like the complementary pieces that give you playmaking and, and stuff and provide all these supplemental skills. I think that's like not an unrealistic place to kind of end up and to some degree here with differences, obviously, and all that stuff. And we got to see if Mobley, like Mobley has like a lot of stuff to still add and do before you can like really, I could say that with like a straight face and not be crazy, but like that's the model more of what they're building. And Colin will have to find a way to like be successful in that way. And, but there's also the pressure of like, he would like to get paid. Um, He would like to, he would like to make lots of money and secure that bag. And the Cavs are also in a spot where like, I think they do need to be um, cautious because like their cap situation is tricky. I mean, I understand it from their perspective. If they wanted uh, Shams had reported on Monday that it was like, they wanted to give him uh, like they wanted a fifth year on the deal to kind of create more team control and and sex camp on a hundred million dollars. And okay. So if you're, if that's sort of the impasse you're at and you're the Cavs and you don't want to overpay because you still have Kevin's money on the books, which is, I think in a, like they would still like to get that off if they could Um, you know, Jetty has his deal left. If, he, if you know he wasn't good last year, but right now the deal seems okay. Um, you know Garland's extension eligible for this year. Like you know, at, you're paying Allen twenty million dollars. Like this isn't a team that is like flush with money uh, in terms of actual cap space. There's not a reason to like go overboard and get towards the tax right now. Like that's just bad financial management. If if you're the Cavs, like there's just no reason to do that. So like, I think that it's, it's just complicated. It's one of those things that we can't, you know, talk about. I don't like, think it's like fair to like when I'm in scrums and stuff, like I won't be asking Colin about his contract. Cause I think that's like very unfair to him to kind of probe that stuff in that setting. But I understand how you, why people be curious about it and how it's affecting him. And I just don't know if you're going to get honest answers in, in those kinds of settings, but it's, it's obviously one of the big storylines of the year because he was the first pick post LeBron. They made him the poster job for the franchise a lot of ways, but he's clearly kind of not going to be that. Like he's, he's going to be, I think a really good NBA player, a legit score. He's, he improves and the work ethic stuff is, is real, but I kind of want to like, what does he look like kind of, in a in uh, as the third or fourth guy in the pecking order. And that's kind of, I think what we're getting to here with him. Oh, indeed. I think he's in a tough spot. I mean, I, I do feel for him in a sense, and he's had to adjust to that new role. But at the same time, the writing has kind of been on the wall about the direction that they would like to go to, or at least, you know, the guy, the franchise guy that they would like to uh, proceed with. And I think that, you know, Evan Mobley, obviously, we're just 11 games in. You know, we have to throw that caveat on damn near everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I mean, if you're going to build around a guy – Theoretically, you would probably want to build around the, you know, the seven footer who who appears to be able to do everything. But that does not mean that there's not a place for Colin. And that's, you know, for me, having to come to terms with the fact that because, you know, I've been one of the one of the bigger supporters of Colin uh, in the past. And, you know, still in this point in time, I'm, I'm wishing the best for him. I'm hoping that the team and him can come and his team can come together on something that works best for both sides in that regard so that he can remain in Cleveland. Um, I feel like the role that he's in right now is probably uh, best suited for growth and development for him, because I think this can only make him a better player. The way the, the different ways that they're able to utilize him, as you alluded to, if they're able to kind of get more creative and in, in regards to cutting, because to me, that's a massively underrated area of his game. I think mm-hmm. he's more than capable of doing it. Same goes to Coral, like you said. But uh, a lot of that is also going to be on JB uh, and company on being able to 
put them in good positions to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we know how hard, you know, how, how much of a hard worker this guy is. And we know that he's never going to stop to try and improve. Uh, but I know that that contract situation has to be looming over him. And he said most pretty much all the right things. Um, he's just in yeah. a tough spot. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, I think ultimately, like, I think the thing I think I've like reminded, I've said like, and unlocked on calves or like I said, otherwise, like, I kind of think the, when you're in the league, there are like certain guys that don't have to sacrifice and you can name them. They are Kevin Durant. They are LeBron James. They are, um Giannis they are you know Houston Harden although I think you know Harden's obviously altered his game a little bit in in Brooklyn but like there are very few guys that ultimately like don't have to sacrifice and fit into something that is bigger than them as an individual player there are very few guys that dictate the structure of what a team does and even someone like Giannis like obviously he's being supported in specific ways even like Jimmy Butler like should be like one of the MVP candidates we're talking about right now and like he's playing within like the a, a specific system and a specific like structure to with what the heat are doing. So like this, this was going to happen with Colin. Like the, if Colin was ever going to be a guy that was like on a good team and not just like scoring a bunch of points a game and all that stuff, like this is the reality of what kind of comes for guys. Like, it's just, it's a product of like, okay, you've been on a bad team for a couple of years. This team is now trying to improve. They've, they've drafted a potential superstar in Mobley I'm of the camp that I think Garland is a potentially much more interesting player than Sexton because he's just a better passer. And um, I think he's got a little more flair as a shot maker and, and creativity and that stuff in a way Sexton just hasn't shown. Sexton's like truly like a bull and Garland's like kind of like a, a scalpel. Like he's just much more creative with the ball in his hands as a, as a, as a dribbler and in and, and pull-up situations. Like th- this is just, you got to figure it out. And like, if it's not, you know, if, if left, I kind of, I don't want it to happen because I think Colin's like, a good dude. And the times we got to talk to him one-on-one, he's always been very cordial. Um, like just a good guy to interact with. And I, I think like the work ethic stuff with him is real. If it's not here, if it's like somewhere else, like he will have to find that role in some other way too. Like he's not going to go somewhere and become like the leading monster of a team. Like that's just not how this works. That wouldn't be the case for anyone on the caps to be completely fair about it. But like for him in this moment, this pressurized moment for him where like the contracts in the line and like, there's all these new things coming around him and the team is having success that isn't necessarily totally built on what he's doing. Then there, that just leads I think to some, you got to find your role and find a way to maximize success. Cause like, that is how you will a get paid and be how, you know, you'll be in the league for like 15 years or whatever. I completely agree with that. And I hate to say that. I know I'm going to get killed for it because no, but, been... but you should, but you shouldn't like no one should that that's just the reality of it. And this is why, like, again, this is a much more productive, like productive and fun way to talk about the Cavs and like people listening to this, than maybe like shoot us. And like, I would much rather like someone like just email me and talk to me or like whatever, than like get mad at me on Twitter. Cause Twitter just sucks, but people just like get really <laughs> angry on Twitter and like, lose their minds over this stuff. And it's, it's silly because like, if you, if they went and like talk to like JB Bickerstaff or they talk to like a player, a coach, or you talk to like any NBA veteran, like they'll tell you what's the number one reasons people stick in the league. They find their role and they understand it. They embrace it. That is how guys stick in the league. And that is like a thing that can make a difference for you. So like, it's just, it's just the reality of it. We are seeing that right now with Kevin Love. Um, Yeah. You're seeing that with Kevin Love. Kevin Love has like decided I'm getting my massive amounts of money and I'm just going to like play my role. And then if I get out of here, which I I think he wants to do, like he will do it. But like, 
just, yeah, what you have to find and accept that role. And I think for Sexton, um, I don't think he was ever truly built to be like the, the number one on a team. I think he could be a, a, a really good second option if he's in the right system. Um, and as you pointed to before, I don't think any of these guys right now, as of right now could be considered, you know, the number one option. This is very much an ensemble type of team. Yes. I mean, Sexton is the leading scorer for the Cavs right now at 16 points a game, and they are seven and four. That speaks volumes to me. Um, I mean, you, you don't have a guy that's relatively close to 20 points per game, and you've still won seven of 11. That that just shows you how much of an ensemble type of effort that this truly is. And I think that's what's best for the team. And that's why I ultimately do think that's what's best for Colin. This can only make him a better player. Um, it, it will make him, you know, and improve in various parts of his game, but time will really tell, you know, what direction they did both decide to go in. Um, you know, he's going to be able to test free agent waters at the end of the season and he'll be able to dictate his market where other teams will be able to. So, you know, we'll kind of see what direction this heads in. Um, I mean, we, we, we could theoretically see a trade, but I don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens in regards to that. Um, uh, let's talk about his backcourt remake, Darius Garland. In your opinion, is he a top 15 point guard as of right now? I, yeah, I don't, that's like, I think rankings for me are just sort of hard, but I, I think Garland's on the, I'm going to like not answer that, like, but I'm going to say that he basically is like on his way to being like in that conversation. Like, I don't know if I want to like, like ranking that stuff is very tricky, but he's a guy that like, I think has been better this year. And I think that's sort of what you're hoping for. Like there, there's a reason that like, if you talk to people around the team, do they'll be like Garland's like, we're really excited for a Garland breaker year that they're, they're embracing what he could be. Yeah. Um, there's a reason that like Zach Lowe wrote about him as like one of his most interesting players in the league, because like, he's this guy that is, like people like I think if anyone if you read something and someone labels him as like a shoot first guy, they've kind of misunderstood what he's become. Like I think he's the turn in the league, like went from being kind of maybe a shoot first guy in the high school and then the very little we saw from it at Vandy and like an AAU and stuff. And then he's come to the league and he's been a creative passer first and foremost. He's kind of been a table setter who's been hesitant to shoot a lot. And this is the first year where like you're seeing him be a, a shot creator and a shot maker in a way that it could raise his it raises his ceiling and makes him really interesting. It could get him into that top, you know, 10, 15 point guard range. Like, you know, maybe he ends up being the second best point guard in his class behind behind Josh. So like like the 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 tier not teardrop, but like the the kind of rainbow three he made over Julius Randall on Sunday. The uh in that same game, the three he hit out of double drag and on the pull up, like the shot he hit against Toronto, like those are all shots he wasn't shooting or making a year ago, much less his weird rookie year. I just think he looks like a guy who's coming into his own. I, I think he's looking like a guy that like is quite good. And I think could be someone the Cavs can kind of build with going forward. And I think that's more important than like how he compares to anyone. I think he's just, he's Darius Garland and he's, and he looks like he's really, really good. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> I, I, I am like the least interesting person I'm in a pocket because I will punt on most questions that ask oh, me to dude, like great. rank things. I will. But there's information behind that. So That's I don't, true. you know, it, it's yeah. all good. It's all, yes. it's, it's yes. all information that supports it. So I don't yes. mind. Um, I guess my last question of the day would be, do you think this win streak is sustainable? I think they have Detroit up next followed by, uh, well, they have the wizards up next and then Detroit and two back to back with Boston, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 
Uh, Boston may be without Jalen Brown for like a week or two. So that certainly like helps helps their case against the Boston. That's kind of an iffy. Um, I think the Wizards game is the trickiest one coming up. And then obviously you get Brooklyn and you get Golden State. But I think like if you look at the stretch, you know, I think they should they should be favored to beat Detroit. I think like they should at least take one of those against Boston. And even if you know lose to Washington, lose to Brooklyn, lose to Golden State, and you and you lose one of the Celtics games, you go like two and four out of your next six. You're still like in a better spot than you might have been, kind of you'd expected. But even if you go three and three in that stretch, like I think you're like at a 500 team at that point. I think yeah. that's realistic. Like I think the Wizards game is kind of like Wizards are like playing out of their minds right now as well. So that that, that game could be a ton Terrible, of fun. Man. <laughs> he's playing really like another guy embraced effort embraced his role and is thriving and playing maybe the best basketball of his career uh for washington right now i'm just i'm just saying but like i think the you know, pistons aren't good um boston's obviously kind of weird and like again they'll be without jalen so like i think it's i i think there's a chance this team could continue to rip off wins again they just navigated a really really hard part of their schedule i mean like you know, they went on that West Coast road trip early. They they beat a Portland team that is still finding its legs, but they, that was a playoff team last year. They just beat the Knicks and MSG. They just navigated the Raptors and won a game. I don't think they had they would have had it in them to kind of pull off last season and steal a game late like that. Like I don't know if they had that in their DNA last year. So like I, I think this team is just clearly kind of good and interesting. And and we'll see where that ultimately levels out and see where that gets them. But like they just like keep kind of coming and, and if they can get healthy too, it's the other thing. It's like, if they get Kevin back and, and Lowry back this week, yeah. you know, if Okoro, like if they get Okoro back, I think he's like sneaky important to their defensive structure. I, but I also like, I want to see Dylan Winler keep playing. He's That's making a threes. A very interesting guy out there. And he's a little been a little bit underrated on the defense bin too. Yeah. But like, he's like making threes and it's like, I just like, they just need a do if they're going to have a guy like stand there and shoot, like probably should be, should be Dylan. Um, I think this team is like kind of pressing our buttons and if they can just get their guys back and be healthy and, you know, we'll see what, we'll see what's up with Colin. We don't know the, we didn't even touch on this, but he left with a knee injury against the next, if he's out for any time like that'll obviously throw a wrench into this, but like if they can just get healthy and kind of get back to like a full strength roster and kind of keep building on what's here, I think they can, they can be in really, really good shape kind of going forward. And again, like they just navigated a brutal start to the year and they get, uh, as we're recording this, it's November 8th. They get November 9th off. They get two days off. And I think you might see them either like at least have a little more energy kind of coming out of that because like they just haven't had that kind of time off in their home market to kind of reset some things a little bit in, in a while. That's an excellent way to put it. <laughs> I mean, I'd be okay if they came away going 500 from this. Um, oh, you know, yeah. yeah. The, I don't think if any Cavs fan told you that like they weren't uh happy with them being 500 at that point in the year they, they they're out of their minds <laughs> exactly like, I mean, you would have like, to be many, out of your mind to suggest that they would be seven and four i'm mean, at seven and eleven right now it's it's well, uh, like how many how many games do people think they were going to win on i didn't like everything i kind of talked around the show was like they are going to lose a bunch of games like early because like the schedule is brutal and then they went and won a bunch of games that didn't think they were going to win and then just won two games on the week and then i was like a little pessimistic about them winning um, and did know to degenerate Carter Rodriguez, I think it pointed out that they have like not been betting favorites for like any games, mm-hmm. which is like they're they're wild. underdogs. And I think honestly, they just seem to play better when they're underdogs. I don't know. Well, now that you said that, I it just clicked in my brain why Darius was barking after the uh 
the Raptors game in that video. <laughs> so now that it all comes together, and now my brain is is figured out the the ADSC that I was missing there. <laughs> Just yeah. it click it, it clicks and it clicks ultimately, you know. But yeah, it, this team's fun. This team's really really fun. Indeed, I, I think. Can I, can I ask you a question? Sure. Is this the what is this the most normal? When what is when is the last time a Cavs season felt this normal and fun to you? I would say year two of the second LeBron era. Uh, so okay, so the title season you're saying yeah. felt the most. Okay. I mean, year one of that season. I mean, things were clunky to start. I mean, we didn't know what was going to happen with Dion. Um, oh, and I really, my, I my had. A, I don't know about you, but I had high hopes for Dion. Uh, you know, uh, drafted. Dude, I yeah, I I I I my condo in Waiters Island has like. It's dilapidated and terrible, but like I own it, it still exists. You know what I mean? Like I, it, I think property. this is a guy who should still be in the NBA, uh, if you ask me. But I wonder if he'd be like in China right now if it worked for the pandemic. I mean, I don't know. He, I don't know if you He's saw collecting, recently. Collecting it was checks. like uh, I want to say like a month ago. He posted. Uh, it was either a month or two ago. He had posted some like body transformation pics, and he looked like he uh, he put on some serious muscle. Put him on honestly, Cleveland charge. Let's make it happen. <laughs> the end waiters on the Cleveland charge. Like, why not bring him home? He's not, he's relatively young uh, in comparison to a lot of these other guys who, you know, finished out their careers in the NBA after going overseas. But I'll say this, this has got to feel, this is the best that I've felt about the start to an NBA season uh, for the Cavs in about uh, literally like four or five years. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. that, that second LeBron era team. It just felt like things are starting to come together, even though Kyrie was out with that kneecap uh, issue. It just, I don't know. There's something special about this team this year. And I know a lot of people have pointed to the fact that they had a pretty good start to last season, but the, the, the tough schedule that they've managed to kind of navigate this season um, you know, you throw in the additions of Mobley, who's been phenomenal to start his career and Rubio who looks like a lesser version uh, you know, of a of a Chris Paul, like that that kind of effect on on this young Cavs team. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm very excited about this. I'm it's hard for me to be skeptical based upon what I've seen at this point, but I don't blame people who are just because I mean, if if anything, as Cleveland fans, we've been taught that uh you know <laughs> winning does not come around too often, uh, at no. least over the past four seasons. Uh, really in any season without LeBron, you know, in this century. So I don't know. I'm I'm very excited about the direction they're going in. We'll have to see if they're able to sustain it. And I think the yeah. way that they're playing it with the, the type of ensemble effort they have, it's, it's completely sustainable. If you ask me. Yeah, I think some of it is, and there will be, there's just, there will be some evolution. It's just the way this is going to work. Cause that stuff is going to change. Stuff is going to get altered. There's going to be an injury at some point that like they'll have to figure out. Like it's just the reality of the season. But how the, like I think if anything, this early part of the year has given me more of an expectation that they can handle this better than I would have thought. Because I don't always think that they've been like a particularly like nimble franchise with navigating stuff. But I think the roster is actually built for that this year in some ways, mm-hmm. even though it's like like still a little thin. But like the fact that they're, they've played without Okoro, who's by far their best wing defender without love who's playing minutes without marketing, who's been their starter at that, the three and, and, you know, providing spacing and stuff. And they've won some games without those guys and been competitive without like three rotation pieces really. It's like, it's pretty darn impressive. Very, very impressive. I know it's too early to be talking about things like this, but uh, JV, uh, Kobe Altman, possible award winners at the end of the season. 
if they're able to guide this team to the playoffs. Yeah, I think they'll probably give it to like uh, some better people, but I think Mobley, Evan Mobley, rookie of the year. I, I I would throw some scratch on that if that's your thing. <laughs> All righty. Yeah, I would definitely – I am I would take that right now. I mean, no disrespect yeah. to Cade or uh, Jalen Green or, you know, some of the – Scotty Barnes, some of the other rookies that we've seen that have had pretty decent starts. But I think Mobley by far, in a way, you could place a bet on that right now and feel comfortable with it. Um, but with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and bring today's episode to a close. As I always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to me, you can at it's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. And have a good one.